to verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. When he brought them out, then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come now um, opening up your word, uh, seeing your mighty power in your working and your word. Uh, we come hearing the story of Sandy that we just watched in the video and of your mighty power to, to save her and to redeem her. And so, Lord, we come to you as our great and mighty God, asking um, that you would, you would speak to us in a great way this morning, Lord. Um, help us to see you for who you are. Uh, help us, Lord God, to see our, our need for you and how you are working uh, in the midst of, of all things. 
And uh, Lord, I ask too that uh, you would just help us to be changed and transformed by Jesus Christ so that we can walk uh, fully more and more in the power of your Spirit. So Lord, I ask, Lord, uh, that you would help me um, to be uh, light shining for you. Lord, give me your words this morning. And we pray that as we walk through this text, we would worship you um, as the great God that you are. So we love you and we give you this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, when I was um, 20, about 20, 21 years old, um, I remember taking a fishing trip with my dad and my little brother, Micah, who was about 11 at the time. Uh, we, we drove from our, our home in Wisconsin nine hours to uh, Ontario. We were north of Ear Falls, Ontario, and we had, we had paid for a boat-in fishing trip. So we drove nine hours, we met the owner of the lodge uh, at, a, at a point, and then we, we rode on a boat for another hour and a half, two hours, to a remote uh, fishing lodge. Uh, while we were there, uh, the, the owner uh, came and talked to us at different times, and uh, the first day, he, he asked us, you know, kind of our background in fishing and what we like to fish for. And, and uh, he, hearing our background, uh, directed us to a few different places that were uh, harder to get to. Uh, there were places you had to kind of wiggle through uh, marshes, and it took some work to get there. But we had good fishing when we were there. The two days before we left, uh, he came to check on us again and see how we were doing, and we told him, and uh, he was excited to hear that. And he told us that there's one other spot that uh, nobody has fished in three years, though the fishing there was good. And so he pulled out his map and showed us where to go, uh, showed us how to get to Dog Lake. And so we, we hopped in our boat. We, we were given a 14-foot aluminum boat uh, to, to fish with throughout the week. And so we, we, we rode the half hour, 45 minutes to the point to get to Dog Lake, only to get there and see that the little creek, little crick, creek, however you want to say it, <laughs> to get to the lake, uh, there was a huge beaver dam that was built up. And so we sat there in the boat for a minute, and Micah, my little brother, jumps out of the boat. And I still have a vivid, vivid memory of Micah standing on top of this, this huge beaver dam, saying, there's the lake, it's right there. Let's go. <laughs> and so we unhooked the, the motor, and uh, Dad and I uh, somehow got that boat up over the beaver dam and into Dog Lake. And no sooner had we got in the water and Micah casted and caught a fish right away, and we had a good, uh, a good day of fishing in Dog Lake. Um, as I was preparing this sermon uh, this week and, and praying through this, this, this story kept coming into my mind. And I think the reason it came into my mind was because on this particular fishing trip, there was this, this great lake to fish at that no one had been to. But there was a huge barrier in getting there. This big barrier of this beaver dam was there. But yet, we endured. We pressed on and we had good fishing. Sometimes in fishing, we encounter barriers, don't we? Sometimes in life, we encounter barriers. And brothers and sisters, as we're living for Christ, seeking to point others to Jesus Christ, seeking to glorify and honor Christ in our hearts and in our lives and in our words, we'll also encounter barriers, won't we? We'll encounter barriers, we'll encounter 
uh, obstacles, we'll encounter opposition because we're shining for Christ and seeking to glorify and honor Christ. Uh, as we walk through our text today, we'll see that there are barriers to uh, our missionaries in our text today, just as we've seen all throughout Acts, haven't we? We've seen our brothers and sisters encounter many barriers throughout the book of Acts as they seek to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But I pray that as we walk through uh, this text today that we'll see that God, God works even when there are barriers. That God works even when there are barriers, even when there are obstacles, even when there's, there's opposition that we're facing. And so as we come to our text, we, we just started in verse 16, uh, but last week, uh, walking through verses 1 through 15, uh, we see that um, our, our, our setting today is in Philippi. And Philippi is a Roman colony, uh, which is in present-day Greece. And the missionaries we're with today are Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. If we remember from last week, uh, Paul and Silas picked up Timothy in, in Lystra on their, on their missionary journey. And we also saw last week that um, Luke joined them. Now, if we remember, Luke uh, was the writer of the book of Acts. Uh, he, he wrote this book. Uh, and, and in verse 8, we see uh, Luke, the author, uh, speaking of how they went down to Troas. And then in verse 10, we see Luke talking about how we sought to go to Macedonia. So at some point between verses, verse 8 and verse 10, Luke joined them. And so Paul and Silas and, and Timothy and Luke are on this journey, and, and they're in Philippi throughout our text today. And as we saw last week uh, at the end of our text, that in Philippi they met Lydia, and Lydia came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Lydia surrendered her life to uh, Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And so in the midst of, of this good news, in the midst of the, the joy of Lydia's conversion, uh, our missionaries today find themselves facing opposition. And the first opposition that, that we see has to do with uh, this slave girl and the demon that we see here beginning in verse 16. We see that this, this slave girl has a spirit of, of divination. Now, the literal um, uh, text, the literal Greek says uh, a, a python spirit. And now this, this imagery of, of a python spirit is tied with the priestess at the oracle of Delphi. And it was believed that this particular spirit overpowered women and allowed them to, to foretell the future. See, in this, in this particular time and in this culture, both Greeks and Romans placed, placed much uh, weight in, in divination, much weight in soothsaying. And this girl we see is a slave girl. Uh, she is one who uh, is being used for profit because divination, because soothsaying, was uh, a profitable, uh, profitable in this time. And so this girl we see is following, is following our missionaries around. And she is proclaiming that they're servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming the way of salvation. Now this, this phrase, Most High God, uh, is El Elyon, and it's, it means the absolutely sovereign God. It's an Old Testament title that's used about 15, excuse me, 50 times in, in the Old Testament for, for the God of Israel. And so she's following them around saying that here's, here's the, the, the absolutely sovereign God, the Most High God, and these are the men who are proclaiming the way of salvation. 
And we see in our text that, that she did this for many days, didn't she? Until Paul had enough. Until Paul was tired of her. Uh, as I was studying and, and praying through this, I, I, I first came across this. I asked myself, why? why? Why was this an issue for Paul? Her message is true, right? Because they are servants of the Most High God and they're, they're proclaiming the way of salvation. But as, as I studied, um, one of the notes that stuck out to me is in the Reformation Study Bible. It said that Paul is annoyed by the publicity that the evil spirit is offering through this girl. The publicity that this evil spirit is offering through, the, through this girl. Because this message of, of good news, of life and salvation in Christ, doesn't come from the evil one. It comes from God. As New Testament scholar Tom Schreiner said, he said there's a clear separation between evil and good. There's a clear separation between evil and good. We, we just even saw that in the video, didn't we? There should be a clear separation between evil and good in our lives as well. Amen? As, as uh, believers, we, we run away from anything that is evil. Amen? Friends, if you don't know Jesus, run away from anything that is evil. There's a clear separation between evil and good. We even saw Sandy in the video talking about seances. We don't have anything to do with that. Amen? We don't have anything to do with divination, with soothsaying, with Ouija boards, with tarot cards, with psychics, all, all, the, all the above. Amen? We, we flee evil. We have nothing to do with evil. There's a clear separation between between evil and between good. And Paul, knowing this, is fed up with this girl following him around. He's fed up and so he commands this evil spirit in the name of Jesus to come out. And it does. That the Most High God, El Elyon, the absolute sovereign God over all, is powerful over all. Amen? And so this, this evil spirit comes out of this girl. This evil spirit coming out uh, makes the owners of this slave girl mad, doesn't it? They can't make profit on her in this way anymore. And so they take Paul and Silas to, to the magistrates, to the officers of the law, and uh, they come and they, they wrongly and falsely accuse them, we see in our text, don't we? Um, we see in verse 20, excuse me, verse 20, they have brought them to the magistrates and they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. So the first accusation they make against them is that they're Jews. Now, anti-Semitism was, was rampant in the Greco-Roman world. And so this, this racist comment, just because their ethnic background, does not accuse them. But it's the accusation that, that they're wrongly accused of, that they're Jews. And secondly, we see the, the false accusation is that they're disturbing the city, that they're disturbing the peace, they're creating chaos, which is also false accusation, isn't it? They're also, in verse 20, uh, 22, excuse me, 21, excuse me, they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. So they're accused of being Jews, they're accused of uh, disturbing the peace and creating chaos. And they're also accused of essentially teaching a foreign religion that's not approved by the state. 
Now this is true, actually. Roman citizens were, were only supposed to practice religion that, religions that were approved by the state. And so Paul and Silas are, are uh, accused of these three things. And what's interesting, you'll notice, is that Timothy and Luke aren't accused, are they? One of the, the scholars I was looking at talked about how they're not lumped in there because Luke was a Greek and because Timothy was a half-Greek. Remember? Timothy was half-Greek. And so they're, they're facing these barriers, these, this opposition, this, these wrongful accusations. But as we continue in our text, they continue to, to face barrier, barriers and oppositions. Verses 22 uh, through 24, we see that they're, they're wrongly tried and wrongly punished. We see the crowds uh, join in attacking them after they're wrongly accused. We also see in our text that the magistrates and the law officers join in, in tearing their clothes off and giving orders that they be beaten with rods. See, they, didn't, they didn't follow the proper protocols of the Roman justice system here. They, they didn't uh, investigate the charges that were made against Paul and Silas. Uh, they didn't organize a proper hearing for them. And they didn't give Paul and Silas a chance to, to defend themselves. They're wrongfully tried. And then they're, they're wrongfully punished. They're, they're beaten, we see in our text. They're beaten illegally. And they're thrown into prison. And, and the jailer is ordered to, to keep them there safely, as we see in verse 23. And so the jailer uh, seeks to keep them in the prison safely, we see in verse 24, puts them into the inner prison. Now, the inner prison was the most secure part of the prison. Uh, it was the most secure. I guess it would be the equivalent of putting someone in the hole, you know, today. And so he, he puts them into the inner prison, and then he also fastens their feet in, in stocks. Now, this, this meant that uh, as prisoners, they had to sleep in a, in a sitting position, or, or lying down on the floor. And because their feet were in, in stocks, it was, uh, it was impossible to change positions to, to avoid cramping. It, it was known to be an incredibly painful practice. And so in the midst of this further opposition and, and difficulty that Paul and Silas face, we see that in the midst of this, God's still working, isn't he? God's still working. That God works in the midst of barriers and opposition. Verse 25, we see, we see what? We see that Paul and Silas are worshiping. They're worshiping. In the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the, the struggles that they're facing, the barriers that they keep crashing into, they're worshiping. They're, they're praying and they're, they're singing hymns to God. They're, they're expressing their, their trust in are absolutely sovereign God. They're, 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 they're uh, illustrating joy and peace in the midst of difficulty. And brothers and sisters, sometimes that's all we can do, isn't it? And really, it's the best thing we can do, isn't it? <laughs> that in the midst of struggle, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of, of facing barriers and living for Christ, to simply pray and to cry out to God for help, is all we can do, but the most powerful thing we can do, crying out to our most sovereign God. And, and, and the singing too, um, there's something about music, isn't there, that sticks in our heads. 
good or bad, right? It's kind of sad sometimes, those songs in junior high that still come to my mind. I'm like, golly. <laughs> but this is why we, we seek to fill our minds with, with songs that proclaim the goodness of God, that speak of the goodness of God's character, that point us to salvation and life in Christ. That's why we want to sing songs, especially as we gather in worship. Amen? Songs, that, that words that, that, that encourage us and help us to worship God, to be God-centered, not self-centered, but to be, but to be God-centered. And, and Paul and Silas are here worshiping. They're, they're praying. They're, they're singing hymns to God. And in the midst of this, there's a great earthquake we see in verse 26. Now, now earthquakes were common uh, in, and are common in this area of Greece, present-day Greece. But the timing of this earthquake is miraculous, right? The timing is miraculous. In the midst of this singing, this earthquake happens, and in this earthquake, correction, God, amen, breaks their bonds, doesn't he? Their chains fall off, and, and they're free. God uses this, this earthquake uh, to, to, to let everyone be free. And, and in the midst of this earthquake and everyone uh, being free from their bonds, the jailer wakes up and he wants to kill himself. And now we remember that a Roman guard uh, who is, who is uh, over watch over those who were in prison, if their prisoners escaped, the, the Roman guard would receive the punishment that the prisoners, the escaped prisoners, were supposed to receive. And so for a Roman guard to fail in his uh, duties, he would be, he'd be responsible and would likely be uh, executed. And so this Roman guard, rather than going through the, the torture and the punishment and embarrassment and shame that this would bring upon him and his family, uh, intends to kill himself instead. But Paul tells him not to do it, doesn't he? Paul stops him. Tells him that they're all there. No one's, no one's run away. And the jailer's amazed and he's, he's trembling. And this, brothers and sisters, we see as the real reason for the earthquake, don't we? The real reason for the earthquake, God bringing that earthquake to, to free Paul and Silas, is not that they'd be free. Not that they'd be, not that they'd be saved, but rather to spiritually save the jailer. To save the jailer. Because the jailer responds, what must I do to be saved? He says, verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? One of the scholars I was looking at this week said he probably asked this after having heard Paul and Silas singing hymns and offering prayers to God. Now we know the jailer was sleeping when the earthquake happened, but he could have been awake before that and heard their, their worship of God that was taking place. And what, what a sweet witness. Amen? That their worship of, of Jesus Christ, that their, their worship of God shined brightly and shined forth so much so that this jailer said, what must I do to be saved? I pray that that be true of us, that the, our witness would be so great as well. And so Paul and Silas, having received this question from the jailer, respond that he's to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll be saved, him and his household. Now it's, the, it's the, same, the same message that's consistent all throughout the book of Acts. 
that salvation comes through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Salvation comes through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And it's the, the simple yet profound answer to the repentant jailer and to every repentant sinner in all of history. That salvation comes through believing the gospel. Comes through, through knowing the truth that as sinners, we're separated from God. And that we need to be restored back to God, but the only way that that would happen was through Jesus coming down from heaven to die in our place, to take all of our sin so that we could approach our holy God that we just sang about this morning. And that when we believe in Jesus Christ and trust in his work on the cross, brothers and sisters, we are saved. Friends, we are saved only through Jesus Christ. And so Paul and Silas speak uh, the good news to the jailer, and we see in verse 32, he speaks the good news to his household. Now, it's likely that the jailer brought uh, Paul and Silas to, to his home. Uh, and his household would, inc- would have included uh, family, would have included uh, servants, and even possibly guests, if guests were there. And so they speak the good news of Jesus Christ and life in Christ to the jailer, to his household, and they come to saving faith in Jesus, and they're baptized, and they rejoice with the meal, don't they? Now there's disagreement on this text, and this is one of the texts that um, infant baptism folks interpret one way, and believer's baptism folks interpret another way. Some say that if the household had to include infants, uh, and some say it didn't, didn't necessarily have to. Uh, I would say that this text shows us they were baptistic, because in verse 34, they participated in the Baptist tradition of eating together. <laughs> Ooh, is that a groaner? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding, just joking. <laughs> I would say we don't know for sure whether there were actually infants or not that were baptized here. But I do, I do see in the text that we, we see that baptism was for those who repented of their sin, who came to saving faith and belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now we see in our text too that after this rejoicing, after the the jailer and his family came to saving faith, the magistrates came and requested that Paul and Silas be released. But we see in our text that Paul makes a big stink about this now, doesn't he? He says that since they were beaten in public, uh, and they were tried unfairly that it's not right for, for, for that to happen to them because they're Roman citizens, right? Paul uh, shows his, his Roman citizen card here to advance the gospel. And he does so because an insistence of an, of an apology uh, might seem to be arrogant in some ways, but his insistence of an apology uh, in the culture of the day, which was a culture of honor and shame, show that there's public, public exoneration for Paul and Silas was essential to show that their message was legitimate. So public acquittal of them showed that, that Paul and Silas's message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was legitimate. And so Paul's showing of his Roman citizen card at that moment advances the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even this barrier that they face could have been an obstacle, but instead helps to lift up and exalt Jesus. 
Now this, this passage, um, I pray that it does for you what it, what it has done for me throughout the week because this passage gives us great confidence, doesn't it? This passage gives us the confidence that even though people uh, will oppose the gospel, uh, even though we'll face barriers and difficulty in, in living out the gospel, um, God's in control and he'll spread his message however he desires to. Amen? That God will spread his message of life and salvation in Christ regardless of opposition and barriers and obstacles that we, we walk through in this life. In 1956, um, I don't know if you remember, some, some of you or not, but national news, worldwide news, was the story of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, Ed McCauley, Pete Fleming, and Roger Uderian. If you remember, these, these five men uh, and their families went down to minister to the, the, they were called at the time, the Aka tribe in Ecuador. The Aka stood for savage. They, they went down to this tribe because this was a tribe that was known to be savages. They, they, they killed uh, groups, people groups uh, from other tribes. And um, Jim Elliott and uh, Nate Saint and, and the guys had a great heart for them to come to know Jesus Christ. Well, if you remember, the, the news in 1956 was that they had all been killed while seeking to, to go and proclaim Jesus Christ to the Waodani people, as they're called now. Um, they're, well, they were killed. Um, is everything okay up here? <laughs> so they were killed. Um, but what's, what's cool is that their, their wives uh, went back to minister to the Waodani people. And so while this could have been a barrier, God worked in a great way because the Waodani people, many of them came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but what's even cooler that I just found out this week, uh, Steve Saint is the son of Nate Saint. When he came to faith, he was baptized by Minkaye, who was the very man who killed his father in the jungles of Ecuador. Certainly could have been barriers to the gospel, right? But we have an absolutely sovereign and mighty God who works in the midst of barriers, who works in the midst of opposition and obstacles to glorify and exalt Jesus Christ, to change and transform lives. And he does that for us, for you, for me. If you don't know, know Jesus yet and you're here, he can do that for you too when you submit to him and surrender to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you're a God who works in the midst of barriers and obstacles and opposition. That you're the God who, who moves as you will so that unbelievers will come to know you. And so we thank you that you've saved us in Jesus Christ. And we pray that any who are here yet who don't know, yet, yet know you uh, would know life in Jesus Christ. We pray that, that all the, the people that you give us interaction with on a daily and weekly basis who don't yet know you might come to know life in Jesus Christ as well. Lord, use us to, to shine brightly for you. Give us confidence that you're always working 
no matter what difficulty or struggle we might be walking through. So Lord, as we uh, continue to worship in singing now, may we be um, your people who do worship you as the great, awesome, and sovereign God that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.